Stop. Could you come read Psalm 84 for us, please? Before I start, as I was reading this to get acquainted with it, uh, in several places there, we see the word Selah. I had no idea what it meant, so I looked it up. Selah means stop, listen. So as we go through what they have to say here in Psalm 84, you'll take into account when we say Selah, stop, listen. My soul longs for the courts of the Lord. To the choir master, according to the Gitta, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow nests for herself where she may lay her young. At your all... At Lay your young at her altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah, stop, listen. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covets, covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of God, of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. Selah. Stop. Listen. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Whoops. Yeah, I'm sorry. For a day in course is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of course, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Thank you, Dennis. Daryl. Would you come and pray over us, please? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you are more than gracious to us. Um, you give us work to do that blesses our life. God, I pray that our hearts are bent before you. God, forgive us for our sins and as we try to um, go through life uh, honoring you. Um, I pray you bless this service. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that our hearts will be open today. As Dan preaches the word, speaks your truth, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to hear what is necessary for us to hear. All the things that are around us, Lord, the fires, the good weather, the bad weather, whatever it may be, our hearts will be set to you, Lord. You set us free, so now let's act as we're free, Lord, free in you. 
Lord, if there's anyone in here that needs salvation, let them come to salvation today. If there's one in here, Lord, that needs to come back to you, let them come back. For the rest of us, Lord, we pray, Lord, our hearts will not be hardened, either by the traditions of men or the things that hold us back from truly serving you. I pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. All righty, we'll check. We're on. This is your captain speaking. We'll be flying at the elevation of three feet as we move into our series on Philippians. We're excited to move into this and uh, uh, just invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And I would like to read those for you today. Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 11. Ah, the rustling of pages. So awesome. I have mine printed for me, so. All right, let me, let me begin. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Just as it is right for me to think this of all of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Christ of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in, in, in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of, the, of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory of and praise of God. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this day. God, we just thank you for this letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, Lord, That is, it is a letter full of joy, full of remembrance. God, we just want to say thank you, uh, Lord, for the bond of love that is there. And we ask, God, that you would open up our hearts and minds to, to your word today, Father. Just, uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would give me uh, strength to uh, to proclaim your word, Father, as you have given it to us. And we just want to say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things, uh, a couple years ago, we celebrated uh, our 73rd anniversary of this church, which is really amazing when you think about it. 
So I, I'm just going to just get some participation here. If you could use a word to describe our church, that uh, what would it be? Don't be negative now. Just I want some positive words. But uh, so uh, yeah, love, family. Someone said friendly, lifeboat, faithful. What's that? Supportive. All right. Family, tons of words, descriptive words. Uh, uh, many of you, I, I just want just to remind you of this, many of you came to Christ through the ministry of this church, raised your family in this church, got married here in this church, not this building, but in the church, uh, grew in your walk with God through the faithful Bible teaching and discipleship. And truly, I just want to say that the Lord has brought us to a place of loving him first and loving others. That's just so amazing that God has done that. So, you know, as I read through the text, the, the, word, the words that, that I would use this morning to describe the Baptist Church is partnership or fellowship. It is, it is the word that Paul uses to describe the Philippian church. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it uh, until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that Paul is describing here in this idea of fellowship is fellowship is just an amazing word. It's just such a rich word. It means companionship, communion, and intimacy and partnership. The word originally had uh, kind of a commercial meaning to it, and it, it really implied or it gave a description of two people starting a business that, uh, that they were to be in a formal business partnership. In other words, they shared a common vision and invested together to see the vision become a reality. You see, true Christian fellowship is more than a superficial chatting over you know, coffee and, and donuts and, you know, just sitting around afterwards and just having a cup of coffee and, and donuts. So, you know, I was going to have a couple, just a cookie here. And, and you know, it's, it's not just, you know, Tom, how, you know, how was Italy? And, you know, Tom just talking to me about that. Or, you know, Jason, how's, how's your garden going? It, that's not that. That's not fellowship. So, excuse me. But... You know, it's, it's, it's more than just sharing a potluck meal together. It means sharing the same vision and then investing personally to make it happen. And here in this church, our goal has been to love God first and to love others as ourselves. This business idea is a, um, of shared common vision of personal sacrifice implies investing your life your time, your service, your spiritual gifts, your finances in the lives of others for a common purpose or goal. That's, that's the whole implication of the fellowship of the gospel. But first, you know, I know that, that uh, Paul Morgan gave you a little historical uh, review. And, and just to remind you, um, in Acts 16, you can read about the development of uh, the beginning of the church at Philippi. And uh, Acts 16 is just an amazing story. Um, I just remember being uh, in uh, in Rome, in, in Athens, actually, and uh, uh, just reading through the book of Acts. And we would we, we didn't stand 
anywhere close to Philippi, but uh, as we were reading through Acts, um, you just have to imagine that it's just an exciting story. The Apostle Paul came to the city um, in Europe in response to a vision of a Macedonian man asking for help in Acts 16.9. There he met Lydia, a, a, a seller of purple at the Riverside at a Riverside prayer meeting. The Lord opened her heart to the spoken word of God by Paul in Acts 16.14, and she and her household believed and were baptized. And then in Acts 16.15, later, Paul cast a demon out of a young slave girl who was being used for profit to tell the future. Uh, and for this act of kindness, his he and his companion Silas were beaten and locked up in prison. And if you remember there, Paul and Silas were having a midnight prayer and worship service when suddenly an earthquake interrupts the singing and opens all the prison doors and loose their chains. And they probably like, God, what are you doing? You know, I mean, just think about that. Why are, why are you doing this now? No, not really. But, uh, um, you, you know, that's, that's the encounter that happened at Philippi. So Paul then leads a frightened jailer to Christ and baptizes him and his whole family in the middle of the night. And then shortly after his release for, uh, from their wrongful imprisonment, Paul left town, traveled to Berea, Thessalonica, and Athens. From, the, from that vision, a great church was born. And since Paul had founded that church, and since he personally led the charter members to Christ, they naturally looked to him with great reverence and love. And he, in turn, saw them as family. Their hearts were bound together. A bond that was never meant to be broken. Ten years later, Paul finds himself in a prison in Rome, awaiting trial for Caesar, uh, to, to, be with, to be before Caesar. He was under the type of house arrest, evidently chained to a guard at all times. However, he could received visitors, and he even preached and taught while in prison. You have to really think, what a captive audience. You know, you got your chain between guards. It's a captive audience there. And uh, when, uh, when the Philippian church heard about Paul's imprisonment, they sent a much-loved leader uh, of the church uh, in Philippi named Epaphroditus to Rome with a gift for Paul's personal needs. So while in Rome, Epaphroditus became deathly sick, and when word got back to the Philippians that they were naturally concerned. You know, a couple things there, just, just know to go to jail there meant you had to have people care for you on the outside to meet your needs, your, your basic needs. And uh, so the Philippian church sent funds, much needed funds, to help support Paul in what he was, uh, while he was there in Rome. You know, eventually Epaphroditus returned to health, and Paul sent him back to Philippi, carrying a brief thank you note to the church. This brief note is the New Testament book of Philippians. The letter is spontaneous, warm, personal. Its theme is joy in the Lord. It is obvious that Paul had a relationship of close fellowship with this church. Even though they were miles apart, Paul's heart was tied up with these people and their hearts were with him. There was no natural explanation this closeness between this Jewish preacher and these European believers. Think about that. A Jewish preacher 
and these European believers. There was no connection, real, 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 uh, real anything that really tied them together. And you have to ask, it really begs the question, what knit them together in such deep relational connection? Look around, look around, you're right, you look around at this church, look around at everybody, look at your neighbor next to you, just look at them. What binds us together? You're stealing my thunder, Art. <laughs> You have to, but you have to think about that. Uh, you have to ask the question when you read, what knit these people together? What knit them together? What made this relational connection possible? So after Paul's initial greeting in Philippians 1, uh, the body of his letter begins with gratitude to God. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, get, making requests for you with all joy. In Philippians 1, 3 through 4. The reason Paul gives for his gratitude and joy in prayer is for your fellowship in the gospel. Which we just sang about today. Folks, we, if you weren't paying attention, we sang about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? For the gospel, which he says from this, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a, began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So I would like to share with you five aspects, five aspects of true Christian fellowship with you. So first, true Christian fellowship is gospel partnership. It is nothing short of miraculous that such diverse people as a Jewish preacher, a wealthy businesswoman from Thyatira, a formerly demon-possessed slave girl, and a Roman prison guard would come together in common life together. Again, the question comes, what could possibly be strong enough and important enough to, and true enough and permanent enough to hold it together in such glorious love and unity with these people. And like you and I today, what really binds us together? The answer is found in verse 5. He says, their partnership or fellowship or communion was in the gospel. Again, in Philippians 1, 7, Paul says that they are all partakers with me of grace. And this word partakers means... Uh, so uh, means uh, a, a co-participant or a joint partner. And what grace did they share in? Ask that question. What, what was this grace in defense and confirmation of the gospel in verse 7? In fact, the whole section of chapter 1, Paul mentions the gospel six times in this chapter as you read it. And let me just define the gospel for you. Let me just embrace this for a moment. The gospel is the good news of what God has graciously and lovingly done in and through the incarnation, sinless life, atoning death, and bodily resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, to satisfy his own wrath against sin and to secure our forgiveness, and in so doing, reconcile, him, um, reconcile uh, us to himself forever. That is the gospel, folks. That is the gospel. The gospel message is not just if you've got some problems, 
in your life and you'd like to have a better life, trust in Jesus. That is not the message of Jesus Christ. He will, in other words, God's not here just to make your life or my life happy. That's not what it's about. The true gospel confronts our fundamental problem, namely our alienation from a holy God due to our sin and rebellion. And folks, I just this is something that we have held true to in this church. If we die in our sinful condition, we will be eternally separated from God under his just wrath in hell. That is the message that we want people to know and understand. We want, we want them to sin. But we need to understand, but the message goes on, but God, who is rich in mercy, provided his own son as the substitutionary sacrifice to make atonement for our sins so that all who trust in him are saved from God's judgment and given eternal life. The single glorious, breathtaking truth is what bound Paul and the Philippians together, this truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the only thing that accounts for their love for one another and their prayers for each other and their devotion to walk through the hardest times side by side and their courage to endure persecution in some of the, and, and in some cases even death itself. That is what bound them together. That is what must bind us together. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul rejoices over their partnership in the gospel. Their participation in the gospel has at least three dimensions that I just want to flesh out here for you. First, they shared in the gospel because they were believers. They had been saved by grace, uh, by grace, by the grace of God in Christ. Their sins were forgiven, and they were baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Jesus Christ. Paul addresses his later his letter uh, to to them in verse one. He says, "To all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi." And I just want to just flesh this out. In Christ was the source of their spiritual lives. You are in Christ. In Philippi was the sphere in which they lived. And saints are God's holy people. Uh, this was their new nature. This is your new nature. You are in Christ. You are not in Philippi, but you are in Edenville. And you are saints. You are God's holy people. But more than, more than being saved by the gospel, the, the Philippians had partnered with, uh, with Paul in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And just a quick look through Philippians, uh, uh, it, it just gives you an idea of what, what, uh, how they had joined Paul in this work. In Philippians 1.19, Paul says that the church at, at Philippi prayed for him. In Philippians 1, 27 through 20 or through 30, we see evidences that, that, uh, that the church suffered for their faith in Christ. In Philippians 2, 15 through 16, Paul says that, that they shine the light of Christ in their witness. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 22 to, uh, 20, uh, 25 to 30, uh, Paul says that the church sent Epaphroditus to minister to him while he was in prison. 
And in Philippians 4, 10 through 18, Paul says that the church at Philippi regularly supported him financially in his mission work. And so though Paul could, could not take the ch this church body with him, his friends uh, with him on his missionary journeys to serve side by side with him, he knew well this particular church wasn't just sitting on the sidelines. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't just sitting there just going, well, what, what's going to happen now? They were helping Paul in his ministry by praying for him, by supporting him financially and sending and by sending uh, some someone from their congregation to assist him in his time of need. They were also they were carrying out uh, this partnership. Uh, they were carrying out th this partnership by uh, by their efforts in Philippi while Paul was away. In other words, they were actively proclaiming the gospel in their community and shining the light of Christ in their community, even to the point of suffering for their faith. Paul's heart was thrilled to have such faithful and consistent partners in ministry and to know the work of the gospel would continue while he was away. It's nice to know, you know, one of the things this, this uh, last week while I was down in California uh, uh, at a wedding, uh, it's nice to know that things like Kids Club would go on, that, that, people would take, that people would take the reins and run that. It's nice to know that. It's nice to be confident in that. And that's exactly what happened. And, and I, I am just so grateful that uh, there is that much trust. It's nice to know that the elders can move and work with with me and that and that uh, we have people preach that that the pulpit has been filled it's nice to know that the that the that there is partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ while I'm away it's not while the cats away the mice will play no it's it's not that at all it's 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 just the fact that the 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 partnership in the gospel happens and it's just amazing to watch. It's just amazing, folks, as, as uh, Paul Morgan was sharing, uh, as he sent out that work, uh, the, 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 uh, the volunteers that showed up last uh, Thursday was amazing. Just people just flocked in, and the work was, I mean, it's just amazing and mind-blowing just to see that work, the service that went on there. And, and Paul thanks God for their fellowship in the gospel. He is thanking God that from that very first day of their first conversation, uh, conversion, that they rolled up their sleeves and they got involved in the advancement of the gospel. And true fellowship, I just want you to know, means putting the gospel first as the controlling motive for your life and then doing whatever it takes to spread the life-changing message to the ends of the earth. That's what it means, folks. Secondly, I just want to say that true Christian fellowship means praying for one another. Though Paul was in prison far from the Philippians, his chains could not prevent him from remembering them and praying for them. His remembrance of them filled him with thanksgiving. And I cannot tell you how much I, as your pastor, am filled with with thanksgiving, that Teresa and I are filled with thanksgiving just to see what God is doing, filled with thanksgiving and joy. And, though, and 
uh, as he thought about how God was truly working among them. And those thoughts uh, turned frequently to prayers on their behalf. And the, and, uh, the, the word prayer in, the, in Philippians 1, 4, it means to ask or to petition. And Paul interceded on their behalf. Paul prayed for them fervently and constantly. We just want, we just, I just encourage, I just want to say thank you. I know I, I have received so many cards of people said, I am praying for you. And people have just said to me, I am praying for you. And folks, those aren't just empty words. I hope they're not empty words for you. I am praying for you. Tom, I know people were praying for you while you were sick. I, I know that you felt the recovery from God in that. People were praying. People, we are called to pray. What did he pray for? You can see that in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. He prayed for that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment. He asked for a, a growing love based on the truth of God's word. He also prayed that you may approve the things that are excellent. In other words, that their priorities would be right. He prayed that they would be that they may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. In verse ten, and he prayed that that their uh, being filled with the fruits of of the righteousness uh, which are by Christ to the glory and praise of God. And again, I just I just want to challenge you. What what is your prayer? You know, how many times have you said, "I'll pray for you"? How many? Seriously, you can raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Did you do it? Good. Amen. We're done. Okay. Now, you know, did you did you pray? Yes. You know, there's there's a lot of times now that I that God has just really moved me even beyond that, and 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 I've put my hand on people and I've said, "I'll pray for you," and then and then I'll even just say, "Can I pray for you now?" It doesn't matter whether you're in a room or at the post office or at the store. It doesn't matter. If, if you say those words, I'll pray for you, then pray for them. Pray for them right then and there. Pray and, and ask God to, to move in their hearts and lives. Again, one of the things that true Christian fellowship means is uh, serving God together. We've already seen how from day one, the, the Philippians joined Paul in the cause of the gospel. They were active in serving the Lord. The concept, folks, of being a church member or attender who attends a church service once a week uh, uh, would be completely foreign to these people. Okay, And it should be foreign to us as well. The local church is not supposed to be like a theater where you and I file in, find a seat next to folks that we don't know anything about, and watch the show or watch performance, and then file back out. God never saves anyone so that they can add church attendance to their list of weekly things to do. Folks, can I just tell you this? Every believer is saved to serve Christ. Every believer is saved to serve Christ. We serve along each other. We have served along each other for years now. You know, and what what a blessing! What a what a blessing it is to see people serve. It's amazing to see again, as as uh, Paul Morgan uh, pointed out, the people that just jumped in to work on this apartment. It's amazing to watch. This summer, I I had the privilege of watching 
people jump in and serve to make day camp happen. An enormous endeavor, one that the elders said that I couldn't lead until I had people that were helping. Well, I thank God that people showed up to serve. And, and uh, because I just had a ball at camp. I had so much fun that I lost my voice and got sick. All right? But, but, the, but the thing is, is that it was just a joy to watch people jump in, to love kids, to present the, the gospel, to, to, uh, to do uh, crafts, to do games, everything that was needed and necessary for that camp to, uh, to, uh, to, to make it. Uh, so many of you have served in so many ways in the last 73 years, and probably most of you haven't been here for 73 years, so... Uh, um, you know, we could never list them all and the differences that you have made in the lives of people and how you have impacted this community for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I just want you to know something. When you work side by side with people for the cause of Christ, when you find yourself in the foxhole with others in the war to advance the gospel, you find that you need each other. You can't do it alone. You don't want to do it alone. It's no fun to do it alone. You need others to do what you can't do, and you need others to support you and to pray for you. Folks, that is what the church is all about. That is why I love this church. There is nothing... There is nothing in this world like the fellowship that we share here. There's nothing like it in the church of Philippi that Paul had experienced with them. Nothing like it. You see, true Christian fellowship means praying for one another, serving each other in Christ together. So fourth, I just want to say this, that true Christian fellowship means trusting God for the results. Paul writes, being confident of this very thing, that he who began or begun a good work in you till uh, 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 began a good work in you will complete it uh, until the day of Christ Jesus. In Philippians 1 sets. And that's just an amazing verse. We could just preach the entire service right there, but that means that we can trust God to do his work, and his time in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. God began their salvation. God began your salvation. He will finish the job. Folks, he will finish the job. He will sanctify you more and more to be like Christ Jesus. When you look uh, at the context of, the, of this letter, Paul isn't saying this to individuals. You know, a lot of times we read that verse and we just take it individually. Well, God's, God's not done with me yet. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we say. But we, we just, he is speaking to the church body. We need to know that. He is speaking to you and I together. He is speaking to us. God is saying, he who began a good work in you Philippians or you eat the lights, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is not finished with us yet. He will complete his work at the day of Christ Jesus. 
You see, folks, Paul had not begun the good work at Philippi. Henry Hoffman had not begun a good work here at Eatonville. Even though people have told me that my dad owned the church. I tried to figure that out. Dad, do you own this church? No, I don't. Well, why do people keep saying that you own the church? Some people have said, well, Dan Hoffman lives here. Well, my wife could attest to that, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll bypass that one. But, uh, but folks, I just want you to understand that Paul is saying that God has begun a work in the church. The Macedonian vision in Troas in Acts 16, 8 through 10, to the meeting with the woman by the riverside, to the marvelous conversion of the jailer, to the healing of a demonic oppressed girl was the work of God. It is the work of God in your life and in your heart that God is, is not happy with yet. He's not satisfied with yet. He will complete that work of salvation in you. You see, one of the things we need to understand is that God initiates the salvation of the Philippians and the birth of the church, and God would complete his work without, with or without Paul. The Philippians' security did not rest with Paul, but with God. God will sanctify them and you and I in Christ Jesus. He will make you more like Christ. You know, folks, I, 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 I want you to, before I move to the fifth point, I want you to understand that, uh, you know, we are calling a pastor. His name is John Hoffman. He's not my son. I just want you to know that. He, at least not that I'm aware of, not a relative of mine or anything. But uh, I just want you to know, John, we're not calling John to save or to rescue us. Folks, God has already done the work. I just want to encourage you with this, that, you will join John in the midst of the work. I just want to encourage you with that. You know, a lot of you know, a lot of times, boy, if, if we could just call someone and just say yes, and then like, ah, I can rest and relax. No, no, you were created, you were given salvation by God to serve Him, and to come alongside and to pray for and to serve one another. You know, I, I just. Historically, I think back 70-plus uh, years ago, uh, there was a group of people uh, that met in Mrs. Hersink's house, which is right across uh, the street over here. Um, they met and they prayed about starting a church here in the Eatville area. But I just want you to know, it was not the work of those few. It was the work of God. This church uh, is not just the result of the work of pastors or leaders or the members for over uh, 73 years, uh, it is the result of God who is at work through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit to work in us. And that should just be a big amen. That should be. God will finish what He started. True Christian fellowship means participation in the gospel. Praying for one another, serving the Lord together, and trusting the results to God. And fifth, true Christian fellowship means love for each other. In Philippians 1, 7-8, let me read these words. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, 
of you all because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense excuse me, let me just read back in as much as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel all uh, you all are partakers with me of grace for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with affection of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul calls God as his witness of his longing and love for the Philippian believers. Not because they would be prone to doubt him or because he felt it, but because he felt it so deeply, folks. He felt this love so deeply, affection or love is the is the words used for our the, our bowels or our inner our inner vital organs? It means uh, it it emphasizes um, uh, an emotional aspect of love that Paul has for these people. It is these people were so dear to them. You know, one I had someone ask me just recently, are, "Are you are you okay with us still moving in this process?" And I go, "Absolutely, I am." Folks, I want you to know that I love you dearly, that my wife and I have been able to serve you dearly for all these years, but I am excited. I am excited to step down, to step out of the way, and to allow someone else to come in to be, to be your pastor, to be your shepherd. I am your friend. You know, it's, it's statistically proven that most pastors leave their church never to return again. That's not the way it is for me. It is not the way it is for me. It is, we plan on staying here. We plan on serving here. We plan on joining you in the service of the gospel of Christ. We plan on coming alongside and still encouraging you. That's not to say that I plan on taking over job, John's job if, if he is called by you. That's not, that's not the goal. You see, here's, here's, a, here's a theme that you need to understand about me. I'd rather be second any day. I would rather be second and be supportive of, of a person who is, who is your lead pastor. But I want you to know that, folks, Paul is deeply in love with these people, and they are deeply in love with him. You see, the world tries to counterfeit this kind of affection or love, but it can't duplicate it. This is why people go to, to bars uh, hoping to meet that special someone this is why they join clubs and social organizations. This is why they participate in service organizations. This is why they get hooked on social media. Men and women desperately want fellowship. But you need to understand something. God created all of us for this deep relationship and fellowship that we can have with one another in Christ. But they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue where to find it. Folks, I just want you to think about, I just want you to think about people when you see them. Look at people through the eyes of God and see people for who they really are and what they are and what they're looking for. They are looking for love and affection. And this is what Paul says that he has. The affection that Paul had for the Philippians uh, and that they had for him for him uh, came. Uh, through a shared relationship in Jesus Christ. And those who know Christ are joined in a spiritual bond that runs deeper than any human tie. 
God has created us for partnership with other believers, specifically for the purpose of putting his love on display and proclaiming the good news of Christ as the one and only Savior who made reconciliation with the Father possible. My friends, that's what we're here for. That's what God has joined us together for, so that we can reflect God's glory, that we can reflect God's grace, that we can, that we can show people an answer. People are looking for an answer desperately. He calls us to be partners in Christ. And when we are striving together, even in the midst of a of difficult and, and hard task, we need to understand that that the that here is our purpose. It is to make the name and the fame of God, to bring it to bring it out into the open, to bring God's name and his fame, to bring it out so that others can come to faith in Jesus Christ. I just want you to understand that we will also find and form deep, lasting relationships with each other uh, that will be secure with great joy for all of us as we recognize them as gracious gifts of God. Again, it goes back to the, to the ground level of the fellowship, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love because Christ first loved us. So we love because Christ first loved us. I just want you to think about think about how much Jesus Christ loves you. I want you to reflect. Reflect on the depth of a love that would lead him to the cross where he suffered and died on your behalf. And I want you to meditate as you read through the book of Philippians on how patient and kind and compassionate and forgiving God is towards you and I. What what joy there is in knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and being connected to others who know him as well. What joy. What great joy. Folks, you are loved. God has not finished with you yet. He who began a good work here some 70 years ago will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We must understand that. And as we close in, as we close the service out, there's a song that we're going to sing, Oh, to be likely. And that is our desire. Is it not your desire? Oh, to, that was Paul's desire. Oh, that they would be like to be like Christ. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you so much for your love that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you you demonstrated your great love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Lord, help us to to reflect on that love that that led you to the cross where you suffered and and died on our behalf. Lord, help us to contemplate 
how patient and kind and compassionate and forgiving you really are. God, we owe our very hearts and our very lives and our very souls to you. And God, we just want to say thank you. We give you all the praise and the glory. And God, we, we look forward to that day that we will be like your son, Jesus Christ, in eternity. And we just want to ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we sing.